0: Hey, welcome to the Remo Tlale Life and Faith Podcast, a long form podcast designed to help you thrive in your life as well as in your faith.
1: Hey, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Um, I just want to come through and just say thank you for all of your support, even through December and into the new year. The numbers continue to be great, and people. Uh, really supporting the podcast I'm just grateful for every one of you who listens If you are new, please like, subscribe And review wherever you get your podcasts It really does help the podcast to be Heard and seen in Greater places I do want to give you a heads up that this week's episode With Morgan Minsk, we talk about uh, some of her mental health challenges, including suicide and her attempts at suicide and I just wanted to be sensitive that if this is something that you struggle with and don 't think it would be helpful to hear somebody else 's story, please feel free to either skip over that section or uh, to tune in next week for another episode uh, where we talk about something different um, I just't do I want to be sensitive that in case anybody's listening you know, with struggles that this wouldn 't um, exasperate those struggles. But I also want to remind you that we have an incredible uh, giveaway going on. We have two more episodes left this month before the giveaway happens. And of course, we're partnering with two great companies. Uh, The one is Good Cup Coffee run by Valerie Merrier, a former podcast guest. So you can check out her episode. Uh, I think it's episode 22, if I'm not mistaken. And really, Good Cup Coffee is a black female run Coffee company that aims to deliver good coffee as well as to drive community engagement and great service. And then Sela is the second company that we're partnering with, and they are a group that have designed T-shirts for our generation, the you know young people, uh, because we're just so busy. And the T-shirts stand to remind us to take time to pause, to reflect, and to praise. And we'll be giving away these in our giveaway, so please. Uh, continue to share on on instagram uh, when you've listened to an episode things that you like about an episode Um, we already have a number of names in the hat and the draw will happen um, in two weeks time where someone will be able to win some good cup coffee as well as a seller designed tea you can check out both of those brands on instagram um, and get all the details from there but without further ado here is my conversation with morgan minsk all right ladies and gentlemen uh, welcome to another episode of the podcast Uh, so grateful that you've decided to tune in Uh, today i have the honor and the privilege of interviewing someone uh, that i've never met which is is always fun Uh, but i've definitely been exposed to her incredible talent and look forward to getting to know her better and hopefully being able to talk uh, some interesting things about having an incredible talent and using it to glorify god Um, so without further ado uh, morgan welcome to the podcast
0: Thank you, thank you so much for having me.
1: Sure, no problem, no problem. Yeah, if you could if you could give us just a brief intro into who you are uh, before we dive into the questions, yeah.
0: Awesome, yeah, um, my name is Morgan Minsk and um, basically I am an indie folk soul singer-songwriter and um, I'm a disciple of Jesus, so um, my songs are all inspired by my walk with God and yeah, I... I have a strong passion for um, just serving God and serving people with um, the gift of music that God has given me and I'm also a music therapist Um, so my gifts also apply in the clinical space as well so I'm really excited to be here thank you so much for having me on your podcast.
1: Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for thank you for coming on. Uh, this is it. Really, is an honor. Like I said before, we came on. Uh, I I have listened to your album. I listened to it on repeat for a while. Really, really enjoyed it. Uh, I'm a bit of an indie folk guy. Uh, I have seasons, but I you know I have that season, so I really did enjoy it. Uh, but maybe if you can roll back the years for us here, Morgan, so we can get to know you a little bit uh, and give us a bit of a picture of your family life. You know, did you grow up with siblings? Where did you grow up in the U.S.? Uh, just a basic picture of kind of who Morgan was from like <laughs> zero to, to her
0: teenage years. Oh, wow, zero. Okay, so, um, oh my gosh, did I just like echo myself? Okay. Um, basically, I grew up in the Midwest. So I grew up um, in Springfield, Illinois. And actually, something a lot of people don't know about me is that I was born in Champaign-Urbana, Illinois. Um, so I lived there for the first three to four years of my life. And then my parents actually moved to Springfield when I was four in order to help plant the Springfield, Illinois Church of Christ. Um, wow. So, yeah, that was, um, I mean, I didn't really know what was going on as as a kid or that that was the reason why they were moving sure. there. But um, but, that was sort of the, the beginning of um, my... My, my life. And so I've I've always been musical. My mom sang. She's um, an amazing yeah. singer. Um, she sang with, um, I was going to say the, the church choir, but there was no church choir because it was a church planting. So
1: sure. the
0: small group of, of people that sang and she was on the worship team. And um, that's how I learned how to sing harmony. You know, mm-hmm. it's just listening to her sing in the car. She's learning the worship songs as we're driving and singing mm-hmm. along with her. And Um, I have an older sister and a younger brother. My sister's eight years older than me. My brother's three years younger than me. And, um, we're all musical in some way. My mom, my dad, my sister, me, my brother, we're all musical in some way. I would say my dad is more of like a music listener and he's, um, he appreciates the business side of things more because his brother, my uncle, um, was actually the business manager for this rap group that was kind of big back in the 80s and 90s, the Prime Meridian. Okay. And so he's like more of on the consumer side. And then obviously, my mom's a singer. Uh, my sister sings. She did musicals growing up. Mm-hmm. And then my brother is so freaking amazing at all things musical. He is. He plays many instruments, he sings, he leads worship in um, in the North River Church of Christ down in Atlanta, and sure. yeah, music has just been part of my vocabulary. I mean, as, as early as I remember being able to speak, I was singing, mm-hmm. and my mom will tell these stories about us going to, like, the movie theater, and me, like like waiting for a break in the in the screen dialogue and then like just breaking out into a song of like jingle bell rock or something <laughs> and it was just always a part of sure. my life. I can't imagine a time when music wasn't a part of my life. So yeah. That's a little bit about how I grew up.
1: <laughs> sure. All right. That's that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And did you did you enjoy growing up in the church? Was that something that you you liked or did you always kind of look at the church and be like "Ugh, this is boring
0: so i feel like i had kind of um a um, tumultuous relationship with the church growing up because i feel like on one hand um i i totally i totally believe that god was god and jesus was the son of god and the bible was the word of god and believed you know i had faith and i believed that you know church was what i was supposed to do mm-hmm. um and i i just grew up with a very like perfectionistic mindset and i think all of us all of us kids are our whole family we're just we're we're high achievers and that i think to a fault even mm-hmm. um And so church was, to me, like what you're supposed to do, you know, at some point you make Jesus Lord, you get baptized and then you become a disciple, whatever that even meant at the time to me, like you become this good person. Sure. Um, But the church, well, specifically the kids ministry, I think was just a very difficult place for me because again growing up in a church planting there aren't a lot of kids Mm -hmm. and I was a really weird kid like I was just really weird like um before fifth grade I was just really nerdy and I stuttered and I wore glasses and I was this black kid in a predominantly white like neighborhood and Mm -hmm. and then when fifth grade came then I I you know started I was just very dark like I was um very depressed and I was bullied a lot at school and Mm. um and suicidal even and and it it reflected in the way that I dressed and the music I listened to and and so then well that was that was still like weird to the people that I was in in my small kids ministry and so I felt a divide even there and and then there was the whole thing of like you know you're growing up and you think that you're listening to like heavy metal, but really it's just Avril Lavigne. And so then there's this other divide <laughs> of like, <Sure. laughs> there's this other other divide of like, I want to be seen and I want to be respected as being like hardcore. And then the older kids in the teen mm. ministry are just like, who are you? Like, you're just this little punk kid, like sit down. And I didn't really feel accepted sure. there either. Um, and it wasn't until teen camp like, my first team camp, I think it was, like, either sixth or seventh grade, and um, I think it was seventh grade, and going to a team camp where all of a sudden you have all these other teens from all over the world. I mean, I met Kira, Kira Fortina from Spain, Carla Hornbeck from Spain. Mm. I met people from Australia and all over the world, and, and Chicago, and... Um, Indianapolis and all these different places they're coming together.
1: Yeah.
0: At, you know, wherever it was like Rock River or White Eagle or whatever. And it was amazing. It was like, "Whoa, there's so many kids here that there's got to be someone here that's like me."
1: Sure. And
0: sure. and there was there we had our nice. own little like group. This like cool little like little group of 7-year-old or 7th graders that listened to like 80s Hairbands bands and listen to like <laughs> the cure and it yeah, was just yeah. i i met some lifelong friends there um yeah um people who are still a huge part of my life uh andrea heath um one of my dear friends that actually um took his life a few years ago Connor Macaulay. um sure people people that I feel like saved my life at that time, people who mm. I was able to finally find friendship with and find a reason to live in and so I feel like that is when the church became a place for me that was positive and not just a place of like pressure of trying to be perfect but also never being perfect because I'm just weird and I'm never gonna fit in
1: sure. um
0: and I still had had my struggles with church um And, you know, just wanting to be rebellious and do my own thing. And it Mm. wasn't really until high school that I um, finally, you know, decided to make Jesus the Lord of my life. So, yeah, that's kind of how my relationship was with the church as a kid.
1: Sure. And firstly, thank you so much for sharing. And I'm going to ask questions. So if you feel at any point like, hey, don't ask that. or that's uncomfortable to ask, answer, please let me know. Um, but you, you mentioned kind, kind of, late. you know, being in fifth grade and, you know, having a, a, almost a level of, like, depression, you know, kind of having suicidal thoughts and being bullied. Uh, and, I, you know, I, I don't want to take you back there and make it all re, – reha- oh. like, I don't want to rehash it all over again. But could you give us kind of broad strokes? What are some of the things that kids – I mean, like, I mean what are you in fifth grade like 12 or something right uh, what are kids like what were kids picking on you on what were p- kids picking on you for and why did you kind of right feel this this divide I, I mean i think you even mentioned the idea that you were you know one of the few black kids in, in a predominantly white neighborhood or white, white area um right so yeah so please if you, if you don't mind
0: um yeah so basically for me um it was a lot of stupid stuff honestly so yeah I was 10 and I would say the things I was bullied for um then were I think one just growing up in Springfield Springfield is very segregated like it's just very Mm. you have the suburbs and they're very very white and like there's maybe some black families spurs like dispersed in there and then you have the South Side And it's predominantly minorities And um, The school that I went to Was um, like a gifted school And mm. um, It was a lot of like Kids there with a lot of A lot of privilege And I was One of the only minorities In my classes And so mm. I think that already like Just set me apart Like if If there were girls You know Like I honestly Honestly What's crazy to me is like I don't know why they made fun of me. Like, there's some things like, okay, like, I stuttered, I wore glasses, okay. But, like, is that really oh. that weird? Like, there were girls that would just make up lies about me and then go tell oh. the teacher. But because I'm the black kid, like, of course they're going to believe them. Like, okay, Morgan's, like, harassing us, Morgan's chasing us in the playground. Like, Morgan's doing this. Like, one kid said that I called her a religious freak. And I was just like, that doesn't even make sense <laughs> because I'm a Christian. Like, I don't sure. understand. Like, you know, but... but they believed those lies and that, I think, caused even a distrust in the school system and distrust in, you know, um, authority and are our adults going to protect me? And um, mm. yeah, I think different parts of that. And then again, when when those thoughts did of mine did turn to like darkness and, and suicide, as I was saying, like it just reflected in the way that I, that I dressed. And I I wanted to be tough. Like I wanted to be like, okay, no one's going to mess with me. Like, okay, let me wear some chains or I don't know, some yeah. clothes that are going to keep people from talking to me. But really those sure. clothes just invited more abuse because, mm. you know, now I have kids Laughing at my Skechers boots, I still don't even know to this day why that is funny. But kids are just be like, sure. "Look at those Skechers boots." I'm like, I don't know. I like Skechers, dude. Like, sure, yeah. Sure. So I don't really know if there's a rhyme or reason to why kids are cruel. I think they just find reasons to be cruel. Yeah, unfortunately, I agree with that, and and I think it's sad that
1: that's the experience for most kids around the world. Is that at some stage, you know. Uh, Either they were uh, on the receiving end or they were the aggressor, Um, you know, and and in some cases, I think like me, I was both at some point I was really, really teased and then I just turned it around and decided, all right, then I'm going to have a, you know, have a strong mouth and stuff. So that's, it's sad to hear because I think to to think about a 10, 11 year old girl who's trying to figure herself out to be in a place like that uh, is just super saddening. Um, And so I appreciate you sharing that because I think it does give light to who you are. Um, So so you said you kind of journey through that. And in seventh grade, uh, you go to church camp and that's like the first time you feel like, oh, there's other people like me. There's other people that I can connect with. Um, And so. You know, kind of talk me through that, you said in high school, then you decided to make to make Jesus Lord. How old were you?
0: Yeah, so I was 16 years old and basically yeah, a lot a lot had happened in that span of time. So yeah, basically um as I said I I struggled a lot with suicidal thoughts and um had had attempted suicide a few times and um this this time was in my sophomore year of of high school and basically I just you know the whole basis behind these thoughts was just like okay people don't want me around that's that must be why they're bullying me they don't want me around and mm. but I'm not allowed to be aggressive towards them like like that's wrong and if I do that I'm going to get in trouble and so what would just end this for everyone is if I just killed myself like then I won't be a burden to other people sure. I won't have to deal with the pain myself. Everyone, everyone will be happy and I will be free of this pain. And so I, you know, I, I swallowed a bottle of pills and I waited to die. Um, but on this particular night, I don't really know why it clicked on this night. I mean, I'm sure it was just the Holy Spirit. I don't know why it clicked on this night in particular, but it just dawned on me like, okay, hold on. I'm not a Christian. Like I'm definitely living a life of darkness. Like I'm definitely not lit trying to be like Jesus at all. And if I die tonight, it's not like I'm going to wake up in heaven. It's not like I'm going to wake up in paradise. I'm going to wake mm. up in the fiery furnace, and
1: sure.
0: then that was terrifying, of course. Especially as a 16 year old, I'm like, bro, like I just sealed my fate and I'm going to wake up in hell. And so then I was just like terrified and panicked and probably had like an anxiety attack that night just like cried myself to sleep was just like god please don't let me die like i i want to die but i really don't want to go to hell like please don't let me die Mm -hmm. and um and you know the morning came and i remember like slowly (laughs) slowly opening my eyes and like peeking through my eyelashes and being like okay is the torment about to like set in and then like continuing to open them and realizing that I was still in my bedroom and just like the feeling of sheer like I don't even know if it was relief it was just like shock like Mm. complete complete like lack of any emotion or feeling just like complete shock Mm -hmm. and I just like laid there for like an hour, just like laying there. I don't know, just maybe dissociating or something. I'm not sure. But um, eventually when I did, you know, get out of my bed and just like have time to just sit and think, I, I just felt gratitude and was just kind of like, okay, God give me a second chance. And he saved my life he must love me enough for me to live even though i don't even love myself enough to live why Mm -hmm. does he love me and this i think that's a key part like this concept of like okay yeah everyone says god loves you god loves you god loves you god loves you but i think as a kid i'm just like what does Mm -hmm. that even mean like yes jesus is lord but what is what is love like what is god loves you and so that was my first time i think being inspired to like look into that and look at the scriptures about like why does God love you And it's like well before you were even created or before you were even yeah before you were even created like God knew you were gonna be created like he formed me in my mother's womb like he knit me together all those like my eyes that like can't see so well so I have to wear glasses like that like God knit that together like that displayed mm-hmm. his glory like he loves me like my stutter like okay like that may that may seem like a disability to me but god loves me and in some way it reflects his glory and i can rejoice in it and i mean it's i mean those those things are so trivial but for a 16 year old that felt so alone it was huge and um and eventually i decided to you know really look at the scriptures and what it said about um what it meant what is a disciple and what does it mean to be a disciple and What would it mean if I did decide to live for for Jesus? And, Mm -hmm. um, And nothing could compare to me like what I had to give up. Nothing could compare to what I would reap, which was a relationship with the one person on this earth that loved me, that loved me and that didn't care what I looked like, didn't loved what I looked like, didn't care what I sounded like, loved what I sounded like. Didn't care about the fact that I had hurt him intentionally many times, had said horrible things to him, said, I hate you, God, like, cursed his name, like, I want a relationship. He Like, the one friend that will never leave me, never abandon me, I want a relationship with him, and anything I had to give up for that was worth it to me. So, anyway, that was a really long story, but (laughs) that's my testimony, so... You're good. This is
1: it's it's this is part of the fun of having a long form interview is that there's we have the time for us to talk about this stuff, which is what I really enjoy. <laughs> and I, and I'm like, you yeah. know, again, I'm super grateful for your honesty and your vulnerability because that that's got to be a scary feeling. Like I can't imagine what it's like to, you know, to be thinking about suicide and then to realize, flip, if I if I go tonight, like I know where I'm going, and and to have <laughs> right. that, Right, you know that like gut wrenching fear uh, that I'm sure you would have felt, you know, in that in that moment, but then it's so powerful to hear you kind of say then Then you prayed, uh, you know, and God is able, you know, hmm. you know God let you survive. I don't, know, you know, however wording people want to put out there, but, yeah. but you're alive, you know, and you, you're able to to kind of yep. truly seek Him uh, and go after Him. And I, I wanna camp a little bit on the dark on the dark thoughts because I I think it's something that is. Not widely spoken about Especially among young people And I think there's young people who Maybe might get their ears on this Um, And and there might be even some older people Who have young Mm. people around them And get their ears on this Um, But but I guess I want to kind of tackle it From from your perspective Was there anything anybody could do to help? Like was there anybody who could have said something Or done something to help you Not consider suicide as the way out?
0: Um, definitely. I think, I think that there were, and I, I'm, I'm so glad you asked this because I don't think in, I don't think I have, I have, I'm ever really able to talk about the people who did help me. Um, and I think, um, as much as me and, and my mom, like always fought and stuff, the truth is that like, she did a lot, um, that helped save my life. Like, I think one thing, um, that she did is sometimes we would have conversations and I would say, you know, like these girls were just picking on me and they were like laughing at me and she would give me reasons that they might be laughing at me. Like she would say like, okay, but Morgan, do you realize like you have an amazing voice and like, they're probably jealous of that. Like, Mm -hmm. do you realize that like you are, you know, you're in a choir setting, you're probably a threat to them and they want to feel better about themselves. And, you know, I, as a kid, I I probably said, like, yeah, right, mom. Like, that's not why. But the truth is, like, <laughs> little things like that did make a difference. It may seem like it's not making a difference in someone's life to say things like that, but it does. And she would leave little notes in my lunchbox, like, I love you, Morgan, and little candies and things. And again, like, things that seem so trivial, but when all you feel is darkness and all you feel is sadness, a little trivial thing is huge. And it's like, oh, you mm. like, someone was thinking of me. I think also there was um, now that I realize it really what she was doing was, was music. There was a music therapist at my um, at my elementary school, although at the time I don't think that's what she was called. Um, essentially, what she did is she went into classrooms and she worked with like troubled kids, and she recorded songs with them. She played songs with them, and the, the songs were all about like how to, like, breathe when you're feeling angry and how to, like, deal with negative thoughts and how to be kind to each other and and all these things. And, um, mm. and, and that was huge because I felt like if she wasn't pulling me out of class to punish me for something I didn't do or she wasn't pulling cool. me out of class to punish me for being a troubled kid, like, she was pulling me out of class to work with me and create art together. And yeah. it made me feel believed in. It made me feel special. It made me feel... Like, okay, I can channel these angry thoughts that I have and these sad and dark feelings I have and channel them into music so I don't have to take them out on my me or someone else. And sure. um, and so I'm trying to think of other things. Um, again, I really cannot stress the importance of, of team camp. Like, sure. if, there's like Christ, if there's like a Christian if there's like a Christian team camp in, in in your area, like to anyone who's listening, like, honestly I really feel like that played a huge part in saving my life not even just that but also helping me become a christian like Mm -hmm. to have people from all over the world i mean you will find your people like you will find your niche and i think even in terms of um of of like community like even more so marginalized communities like um children with special needs um or exceptional children like there are other kids with similar needs at these camps Mm -hmm. and it's just it's oh these kids I met at teen camp like I still talk to them on Instagram I still talk to them on Facebook like Mm -hmm. one of them was was in my wedding like I just I I love these people and um I think it's an invaluable resource for, for young teens. So sure. I hope that answers your question.
1: That does, no, yes. that does. And, and I think I'm grateful <laughs> that it is a different angle. Cause I do think the bulk of the question is like, what, do, people, could, I was, what people should have done something, right? And, you know, and I've been involved and been around people who have been suicidal and, and some who have eventually taken their lives. And it's like, man, like hmm. it, it hurts everyone. Right. Like it, it yeah. hurts for, for people who are, who yes. consider themselves close. And, and I think I know for me, having worked with certain people that I know were in those spaces, it's like, man, I just want to be helpful. And so to hear you say it's just kind of the encouragement, it's the it's the not picking yes. up, bullying or pulling out for being in trouble, but it's just a kind word. Um, and to some extent, I think it kind of leads into my next thought, which is which is the idea of just being able to love. Because you said what really drew you to God was, man, he mm. he loves me. But why does he love me? I right? so I think that's such right. a valuable question. Like it's not just this cute anecdote that people get from church and Christianity worldwide, but it's a genuine personal pursuit um, of man. He loves me, and he loves me in a very personal, yes. in a personal way, which I sound which I found incredible uh, to hear. And, and so can I ask, like, do you still struggle with mental health issues? Are you on medication at all? Um, you know, and, and what's yeah. that battle like now all these years later?
0: Absolutely. Um, I wanted to say one one last thing about the last question you asked, which is just, um, I would just say also, if there is anyone that is just different, like, like you see them and you're just like, this person is so different from me. Like, they're so different from anyone else here. Maybe they're all alone, like just literally like do whatever you can to just talk to that person like Mm -hmm. and like genuinely love them and don't and don't make it weird like oh i'm talking to you because you're weird like no but just whenever you can like making an effort to be friends with that person because like chances are they know that they're weird like they know that like i knew that i was weird like but it was the people who made me feel like I wasn't weird that made me feel like, okay, like I have a place in this world. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I just think that's what it comes down to. And, and to yeah, answer, answer your question about now, I, yeah, I still struggle with mental health and I, I, I take therapy regularly and I do take medication um, for my, for my mental health issues. And um, it's, it definitely is still a struggle. Like, Um, I can't say that, you know, once I became a disciple, I never had suicidal thoughts again. I think when I first became a disciple, there was a period of probably like one or two years where I genuinely did not have a suicidal thought. I think it's kind of like the honeymoon phase of Christianity where it's like, you know, everything's right and nothing's going to go wrong. And yeah, you have these, these battles, but like you, you like, nothing's going to bring me down. And I, at that time, I think I was like, I'm cured. Like I'm never going to struggle <laughs> with depression ever again, but sure, it was just, that's just simply sure. not true. Like I, there's a mental imbalance in my brain. And so, um, and that's okay. Like, again, like God knit me together. And I think even one of the blessings of my mental illness is that it makes me more of a creative person. Like I mm-hmm. find that when I'm in the, the throes of my despair, that's when I write, songs like that's when I feel compelled wow. to write my music and people are like well these songs are amazing well most of them were written when I was feeling down and um yeah. and some and some and one time I think I I prayed I was like god if I have to feel this way for the rest of my life to be able to have this close of a relationship with you like I I surrender lord like mm. I, I will do it like sure. because there's nothing like wow. being this close to you um and i think yeah it's um it's it's a struggle that um i will likely have to deal with the rest of my life but with jesus there's hope and that's the Mm -hmm. thing like when i have felt suicidal like literally literally the only thing that stops me from killing myself is i'm like god i know that you are Lord and that you love me and you gave me a second chance. Like I already have my second chance. Like I'm not going to take that away. Like I know that you love me. I know that there's a reward waiting for me in heaven. And I just, I'm not going to do that to you because I know that that would hurt you. And, and I know that there's people who need to hear my music and not because again not because of me, but because of Yahweh, because of him, because of his goodness and what he has bestowed on me completely undeservingly. Like, how could i make the decision to take that away like so i guess to answer your question like no the thoughts like haven't gone away but yeah. with jesus there is hope and there is love and there is there is like that scripture says his mercies are new every morning like mm-hmm. like um sorrow may come for the night but joy comes in the morning like that is the truth that is the truth like in the in the nighttime that suffering may be there but just just hold on morgan like just hold on to the morning sure. and god's mercies are new every morning and i can wake up in the morning and say see god you did it again like see god you saved me again like yes you are lord and i love you
1: wow yeah that's incredible that and i mean it's it's just it's crazy to hear you speak about it cuz it sounds like when you're in your darkest what you're saying is that's the time that draws you the closest to god and so, for even exactly. for you to say, I would, I pray a prayer like if I need to feel this way the rest of my life, most people are praying it away. They're like begging God, like it's, <laughs> they, they quote Paul, right? With Paul, where he said, "Man, three times I pleaded with the Lord." That's that's where people are at, and you're on the other other end of the mm-hmm. spectrum. You're saying, God, if this is the thing that keeps me this close, then bring that. And I'm like, man, that. Yeah. Look, we've gone through. This is you know, we're recording this in 2020. COVID-19, global pandemic, <laughs> yeah. lockdowns. We spoke a little bit about segregation. I want to go back then a little bit, but like, you know, George Floyd's yeah. killing. You know, it's just, it's. we've had a tumultuous yeah. year. And the, by and large, the prayer yeah. that we've been praying, myself included, is God, take it away. Like, I sort of to right. push, I want to push up against this. I want this as far away from me as possible. Uh, we're recording this in December. People are like, holding with bated breath that somehow the 1st of January 2021 means we're on the other side of this thing. I don't get right. that. But I, I want like yeah. what makes you go closer? What, what do you feel like for you makes you feel like, other than the fact that you just quote, quoted like four or five scriptures and we're evidently very passionate about drawing closer to God, what are some practical steps like when I'm feeling dark, when I'm feeling nasty, man, as Morgan, this is what I do to just make sure I'm getting closer and closer to God.
0: Mm. Well, I think, yeah, I think that's a great question. I think first, first, I do say, Lord, take it away. Like, I think first, um, something I just learned from this amazing book, Secure in Heart by Robin Widener, um, is that intimacy comes from throwing away these cliche prayers, like these cliche things like, oh, Lord, Mm -hmm. you're so good. Okay, like, I pray we have a great day. (laughs) Like, no 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 like yeah. get real get honest like god no i'm mad i'm mad at you mm. i'm mad at you because you're allowing me to have these suicidal thoughts again like why lord why take it yeah. away god i beg of you and just being so raw and honest just like david was in the in the scripture so he's like lord like why, like I think there's just, there's a scripture where he's he's even like God, what do you gain by me going down to the dust? Like don't you see that like that is not going to bring glory to your name, Lord? Like yeah. I think just being so raw and honest with God about what I'm really really feeling and like letting Him, like just being so raw and just the way that I would be with any person any relationship that I'm able to be that intimate with because I know He wants to hear that. And once i'm once i get those feelings out once i'm just able to vent that to god i i feel like just like david you just naturally feel your heart change you're like okay god okay i got that out like but i know here's what i know is the truth you know and mm-hmm. then and then going going to the scriptures and reading maybe it is like a passage of david and going with psalm 119 is so stinking amazing like and my dad is obsessed with Psalm 119. He talks about it all the time and he has like shirts with Psalm nice. 119 on it, like books. He's going he's going to write a book on Psalm 119 now that he's retired, like.
1: That's and cute. it is
0: such an amazing scripture because it talks about like it just goes goes through with you on like my soul cleaves to the dust, like revive me according to your word. And mm-hmm. it's 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 like you're praying as you're reading the scripture so it's like double duty you're praying and you're saying you know strengthen me according according to your word strengthen me and i i think just praying certain psalms like that or just like re- reading certain scriptures and praying through them and saying okay this is your the truth that you've laid out now god manifest this in my life and i you just feel your heart change and it is supernatural and i think that's something i think as Twenty 21st century Christians, we don't believe that. We believe it's just intellectual. Like, okay, I'm gonna read this scripture and it's gonna give me knowledge about how I can change my life. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit is the one that grants repentance. God is the mm-hmm. one that grants repentance, and I'm literally praying for him to change my heart. And that's something sure. that actually Alexandra Goman from Boston, when I was in Boston Campus Ministry, taught me. She was like, Have you ever have you ever just prayed? For god to change your heart it's like no and she's like right because you're probably just trying to change it yourself right i'm like yeah and she's like just pray for god to change your heart and sure. and and it is like and it was like okay do i really trust that god is real okay if i do then let me pray that he changes your heart and i wow and to even go further on this like there was this movie i watched when i was a kid called bruce almighty and Morgan Freeman said something in it that I thought was true, and it's just not. He he was like, um, "Oh, when when we go through trials and we pray for patience, God doesn't give us a patient heart. He gives us an opportunity to be patient." That's mm-hmm. not true. Like, yes, God gives us opportunity to pay, be patient, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit is patience. So if we pray for patience, yes, God can give us patience, just like the peace that passes understanding. The piece yeah. that transcends understanding that transcends understanding that I'm not able to give it to myself. The Holy Spirit is the one that gives it to me yeah and so anyway, I'm kind of going on like a little soapbox here, but um it's that's that I feel just like praying that God would give me a transformed heart and um
1: mm-hmm.
0: and in the end he does and then I end up writing a song I, either I end up writing a song in the sadness when i'm at the angry part with god or end up writing a song at the end um and like when like when david said at the end okay but you are god and i praise you and writing a song that's about god delivering my heart from the sadness so that's kind of the process that i go through on a daily basis it's kind of exhausting and honestly some sometimes sometimes i wake up and because it is very emotionally exhausting like my times with god and i i feel like sometimes i can be tempted to just like not want to spend time with god because i'm like oh lord i don't mm-hmm. want to go through this tumultuous emotional process all over again um sure. and on those days i've learned like okay but it doesn't have to be like this every day like sometimes i can just like absorb god's word like okay let me let me just I was, let me just listen and be refreshed and it doesn't need to be this emotional yeah. tumultuous like ordeal yeah so <laughs> <Sure>. that's me
1: <laughs> yeah it doesn't have to be jacob wrestling with the spirit every time you can right you exactly. can just hang out on mount Sinai. that makes sense and i, and I appreciate <laughs> yeah. your passion I, I appreciate your vigor because I, I do think this is evidently stuff that's very close to your heart and that's that's the joy of getting to know people is we get to hear what's really close to people's hearts. Um, But, but to transition a little bit, you said, you said you either write when you're in the angry stage or you're right kind of at the end. Um, But I want to take us the clock back a little bit. When did you start writing music? You said you grew up singing. That's just kind of part of your family. (laughs) But when did you, you know, kind of start being your own kind of songwriter?
0: Yeah. So I've, honestly first started right i don't okay so it was after i was four because i remember i it was in the bathroom in sorry this is, sounds really weird um i would write songs when i was a kid when i was in the shower and so okay. it had to have been when i was like five because it was right after we moved to springfield and i remember being in, it was in the shower that we had in our place in springfield so but i would just like write songs in the shower I wouldn't write them down, but it was like every time I got back in the shower, I would like sing the same song and then like add a little bit extra. And I I wish to this day that I could remember those songs. Like, I just cannot remember them for the life of me. But that was probably when I was like five or six was when I wrote my first song. And yeah, it was when I was taking a bath. So yeah.
1: Nice. Do you remember (laughs) the first time you performed your own song?
0: Ooh. The first time I performed my own song, that would have to have been seventh grade because that was when my uncle Kevin bought me my first guitar. And it was an electric guitar. Okay. And I didn't yes. know any chords, but I picked up the guitar and I just started like strumming strings that sounded good. And I wrote this song. It was like three notes and it was called in dreaming places and it was the most meta like okay you talk about indie this song i feel like this song would have been so indie like it was just like three (laughs) notes on the guitar and it's like like i think the lyrics were like every time i look into your eyes i see something more that reminds me of dreaming then i'm in some watery place that conceals my inner thoughts and keeps me silently sleeping. And I know, I know everything will be okay in my dreaming place. Oh my gosh, those, those are the lyrics Boom. to the song. Like, isn't <laughs> that girl. so like weird and meta? But I feel like that honestly, like that is so the way that indie songs are now. I should sure. totally bring that song back out and like tweak it and make
1: Absolutely. it. Well, I-, I wanna know who's the song for? So whose eyes are these that we're looking at? do you remember
0: isn't that weird i don't okay who's every time i look into your eyes i don't even know i think i don't know probably some fake well okay well you know like at that age your imagination is very like creative i think at that time like i thought i was like a vampire or something like you know like
1: (laughs) sorry i shouldn't have at that age
0: like (laughs) <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. it's hilarious. Like, yeah, like That's at that so age, weird. you, you, I don't know, just like weird seventh graders. So I'm sure it had sure. something to do with that. Like, I don't know, it was so random. Yeah, yeah.
1: I know this is this wow, might Now I like like really, really want to like, bring that you, song up.
0: Right now I'm 27.
1: 27. So what is that? 93. Yeah. So that would have yep, been. Yep. 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 Like,
0: 93
1: when you were when you were 13 14 like twilight would have been breaking through like that would have been that would have been right oh, in yes. that era right
0: that's boom. exactly we, when that's exactly when i was when i was in sixth that's grade that's when twilight came to. out
1: Baby that's exactly so you when you fell in love with edward cullen you thought you were bella and boom you wrote yourself yes. about his dreamy eyes
0: that's exactly right that's <laughs> so good i actually i love twilight like to this day like sure. i still own some of some of the twilight books i mean i don't think i don't know sometimes i'm like mm, i don't know if young girls should be reading this book because i don't know if their relationship was the healthiest but i sure. thought it was a great book
1: yeah yeah no uh well, my yeah. sister forced me i never read the books but my sister forced me to watch every one of the movies with her so uh, that's the. Oh, uh, the, the, the movies were
0: stupid. The Movies were so bad. Really? The movies were. I was like, why is that? Why is it like Edward Cullen's wearing like lipstick right now? Like, and his that's face great. is covered in glitter.
1: Sure. I just, I just thought he was the coolest guy because he had like this, like he whenever he was on screen, you could feel he was on screen. Like it didn't matter what the scene. That's was. That's true. But when Edward Cullen was on screen, he was brooding. on screen. And I thought that was cool. I was like, man, I want to be like that. When I walk in a room, people better know. That Rima was walking to a room. But anyway, <laughs> it's a conversation for another day. Okay, so the so first song that's you ever right. performed is kind of this song you wrote, you know, as a 13-year-old girl in love with Edward, Edward Cullen. That's, exact, that's where we're landing on this. Um, but when do you kind <laughs> of decide, man, this is probably what I'm going to do for real, for real, for like the rest of my life? Like, when does that happen?
0: Wow. Honestly, <clears throat> okay, so I think... So, okay, I think for my whole life, I thought that well i mean i think for my whole life well as soon as i knew that i actually like had singing talent people were like oh like actually you can really sing i think i always had like a dream like probably every singer does like oh one day i'll be discovered and sure. i'll be singing all around the world and when i when i got my first guitar in 7th grade i think i i had that dream um I didn't really think of it as a career. I just thought of like, oh, I'll be discovered while I'm in high school or something. Mm-hmm. And then when I was in high school, when I became a disciple, then I was like, oh, like one day, like I'd really like to go into the ministry and then maybe like on the side, I can be like a worship leader or something. And and then when it actually came time to go to school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I, I was like, do I want to, I, I was like, I want to be an astronomer. Okay, do I want to be an architect? I really loved math. So I was like, maybe I should just major in math. And then people were like, no, you should do musical yeah. theater. But I was like, Uh, Like, I don't feel like I have the, like, physical stamina for musical theater. And mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was going to do. And then my friend, Molly Matthewson just put together this whole, like, brochure for me. She, like pr- – it was so amazing. She printed out, like, all of these um, arts colleges. And she was like, look, you need to look at these music colleges and um, – yeah, she, she like put it together in like a scrapbook and gave it to me. And that's when I was like, okay, you know what? I think I'm going to try to major in music performance and like jazz vocal performance. And um, wow. I applied to a few schools and yeah, the rest is history. But actually it was my freshman year of college that I I was like, wait, maybe I should major in music therapy because then I can actually use this like a, on a clinical level. And so I, then I majored in music therapy and I thought I was going to be doing music music therapy and ministry full time and that's a whole other story for for another day, but it, it turned out that I ended up um, coming back to music and doing music as my as my job and doing music therapy actually more like on the side um sure. in a much smaller capacity um, due to some limitations that I have but um yeah it's i to actually think that it would be a like my career in this way where it's like, okay, but I'm not on a global scale. I'm not like a superstar or something or like Mm -hmm. a Christian music artist on the global scale, but rather I'm just gig to gig, like, like doing it that way. Like, I never imagined that that's what I would be doing, but I love it. I love it. So
1: yeah. And we'll talk a little bit about the gig to gig, but I really like music therapy. Can you define what that is? I'm not sure I've even heard of it before to be honest. <laughs> so if you could define yes. what that is and then give us kind of what a typical picture like what, what's a pick, typical day in in the life of a musical therapist?
0: Yeah, so music therapy so music therapy is a very broad term and it's it's the same as as saying like what is surgery? Like because there's just huh. so many modalities of it. Like there's neurosurgery, okay. there's like surgery like surgery on kidneys or tumors or you know whatever. And so music therapy is like that. Music mm-hmm. therapy it just it as a blanket thing is basically just using music as a tool yeah. to reach non musical clinical goals. And those goals can be behavioral. They could be um something mm-hmm. behavioral like attention. Like um maybe a child is has limited attention, a limited attention span. So working on attention or it could be something um Social, like maybe they don't make eye contact when they speak, or they um, have like a communicative um, disability, like um, like stuttering, for instance, mm-hmm. or apraxia, or something like that. And so, helping them to be able to use their speech, or it could be, um, it could be psychological, like it could be um, sort of um, like what I was talking about before, um, someone that's struggling with suicidal thoughts or something, and that would be helping them to, um, create positive coping mechanisms to be able to deal with those thoughts, or it could be physical and, and, um, physical and neurological. And that's actually what I, what out of college I was trained to do was the physical aspect. And that is literally helping people with brain injuries who have lost their ability to walk, to talk, to move people who are in comas, being able to help them to walk and talk and move again. And That's so cool. oh, that was such a passion of mine. And again, I can't really get into it, but due to some limitations that I, I have right now, I'm not able to do that. And so actually what I'm able to do now with a limited music therapy that I'm that I'm able to do um, is it's mainly um, some of the behavioral things. So yeah. working with with kids on maintaining attention, and um, being able to um, being able to tolerate um, doing an activity for a period of time without becoming agitated, those mm-hmm. types of things. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's so much fun, and um, it's a lot of hard work. And I think, um, especially back when I was doing neuromusic therapy, it was so, it took so much brain power because you're literally having to as you're in the session okay so let's say there's someone who needed to be able to walk again maybe they just came out of um a minimally conscious state or something like that and Mm -hmm. you're trying to help them to walk so i'd be co-treating with a physical therapist that's like able to support their torso hold them up and then what i'm doing is i'm providing a rhythmic stimulus that their brain can train to so Mm -hmm. okay i could like go into this so hardcore but um I feel like I, I just need to like make it simple because I'm very wordy, just like my dad. Um, essentially, there's um, there's research that shows that when the brain is unable to function for whatever reason due to brain injury and it, it that injury then affects the limbs, there's something about music that the brain is able to entrain to and mm-hmm. it fires the neurons in a way that nothing else does. And... Um, Someone is not, their brain by themselves or by itself is not able to fire their neurons in a way that allows them to walk. Um, But if I provide a rhythmic stimulus, then all of a sudden their brain is able to entrain to it and Mm -hmm. march to it left, right, left, right. And maybe we start at a slower pace, but eventually they're able to use a faster pace. And now, physical therapists have already been using metronomes they've already been doing it without music they've just been providing a steady pace because they recognize that something about that beat helps the brain to be able to function yes. but when you have to bring the music therapist in then the music therapist is able to be the one that's providing that entrainment and a metronome like let's say if the person stops um the metronome isn't gonna break isn't gonna like start itself over to match that person's beat it's gonna keep yeah. going
1: opposite them and then
0: they're off music therapist is able to respond to that in the moment they're able to provide um, emotionally motivating music so it's not just a metronome but it's a song that Mm -hmm. they enjoy and and oh the most amazing work that I did when I was a music therapist oh I remember I was working with this client and um, he was in a car accident he was in a coma and I remember therapist after therapist going in and working with his client and he wasn't able to talk, wasn't mm. able to move, wasn't able to make a sound. My yeah. very first session with this client, I went in there and he, he was able to make a sound with his voice. Wow. The second time I went in there, he was able to move his lips. So he's still yeah. nonverbal, but he's, move, he's moving his lips.
1: Yeah.
0: And the third time I went in there, he was making words he was verbal and i i remember thinking like this is a reflection of god's power like there's just nothing like music and i and i thought about scriptures where you know it talks about david going into king saul and would say king saul hadn't had like an an evil spirit would come upon him and king david would go in there and the music would soothe him and i was like music is a tool from god Mm -hmm. that can help people clinically and it's not and not just on like this hippy dippy level of like oh like <laughs> let's sing kumbaya sure. but really is able to entrain uh the brain that is the brain that the brain is able to entrain to and fire neurons that previously were not firing like yeah that's it's incredible. incredible and and there's so much research on it and again i could talk about it for a long time but unfortunately i'm not able to do neuromusic therapy right now um again i can't really talk about it but um but yeah, due to some limitations, I have not able to do it right now. Um, mm. And that's really discouraging. But um, I still am able to provide music therapy right now in at least a little bit um, of a way, and that that does bring me encouragement. So sure. does that sort of answer your question? That
1: does. No, that's really cool. that, is, that <laughs> is really, really cool. And so okay, so on the one side you're doing that, right? You're doing music therapy mm-hmm. right now. You know, you're helping kind of kids with different, you know, different challenges, whether it's attention or what mm-hmm. have you. And then on the other side, you said you just go from gig to gig. You're not this, you know, superstar uh, person, you know, but it's kind of gig to gig. And are you generally singing just Christian gigs or do you do, do you take on all kinds of gigs? You know, how does how does that how does that work?
0: Yeah, so I, I do all kinds of stuff. So I would say the main gig that I have is... Um like background music for restaurants. And in that okay. case, I do, depending on what the restaurant is, um, it's a blend. So a blend of originals and just like covers. And obviously I'm not going to do anything that's like inappropriate, inappropriate mm-hmm. music or cursing or anything like that. But um, mm-hmm. you know, just back, background music. And then um, there are other gigs that are just soul like that. And those are more performance gigs um, where I'm able to just sing my own original music and that's it um obviously it's christmas time right now so uh, a lot of the gigs are like singing christmas songs and that's really cool because christmas is the one time a year where everyone's listening to christian music i mean not everyone but like a lot of people and they're at least at least willing to hear it and so i'm like yo i'm literally preaching about the birth of christ and no one is batting an eye because it's christmas time and (laughs) I'm like yo i will sing the glory i will sing the praises of, of yahweh like i love it so that's, that's really a, cool. a really cool blessing um sure. yeah
1: i probably should have led with this question are you based in florida yes
0: yeah, so i know for a while i was kind of keeping it um keeping it a secret with some of my fans um and I I will in a few months explain why that was, but yes, I am located in Florida right now. I am in West Palm Beach, and um, yeah, that's where I'm based right now. So
1: that's really cool. So I've the reason I ask is I've just got this picture of like really cool Florida restaurants and you like with your guitar, just <laughs> you know playing in the background. It just it's a really really cool uh, you know kind of picture in my mind. And do do you still like have the same level of passion and zeal for making music and delivering music as you feel like you may have had, let's say five, six, seven, eight years ago.
0: Passion, yes, I think. Um, in terms of my ability, um, sorry, I know I keep I keep alluding to this. I can't quite talk about it just yet. But in That's terms okay. of ability, I feel like um, my ability has taken a hit. Um, but in terms of passion, I feel like I, yeah, it's, I feel like it grows, like it grows stronger with each passing day. And I sure. think that's a, a gift of God, um, like a, a, a gift I'm so grateful for, because I do think, especially in this industry, if you don't have the passion, you won't, mm-hmm. you won't, you won't make an income, you won't make it. And, um, and, and let alone income, like you definitely won't be able to make inspiring music um, that encourages others and glorifies God. So I'm very grateful that he's allowed me to keep that passion.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. That really is cool. And and, and so, I mean, we are kind of coming for a landing here, but you, you wrote, you, did you write all the songs on your, uh, your album praise the 2018 album? Yes. That's all you, everyone. Yes. Okay. And do you produce Mm -hmm. your own music or does someone else kind of come in and do that for you?
0: I produce my own music. And sorry to clarify, um, on one of the songs I was co-written, me and another girl, Corinne Peralt, wrote the song Birds. Um, But yeah, all the music is original and I produce all my own music. Um, I hired someone to come in and record the music. Um, But yeah, all all the arrangements and everything. um, Yeah, God has just blessed me with the ability to do that. So really grateful for that. That's
1: really cool. That's really, really cool. And and do you have anything else coming up? Like, do you have other projects? Do you have EPs that are dropping? I know that's kind of happening. Um, is, is that something you can talk about?
0: <laughs> um, so I could give vague allusions, which is that um, I definitely feel like God's been putting it on my heart that another EP or album of some sort needs to come out as soon as possible. And so... Um, I am in the process of trying to figure out how that would even happen Um, and Mm -hmm. it would take a lot of finagling, um, a lot of different things, but I do feel like the Holy Spirit is calling me to um, release something soon and it'll probably be self-recorded, like probably here in um, the place where I'm living. Um, But that's the new thing. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it and it's going to be... Um, very raw album It's going to be There's going to be a lot of It's going to talk about a lot of pain A lot of heartbreak um, A lot of craziness that has just happened Over the last three years Um, But mm-hmm. yeah I'm really excited So yeah That's sort of what's well, coming up next
1: <laughs> I know people can't see this on the podcast But the minute I asked You look like I asked the best question in the world So we are I'm key Because <laughs> you look super excited about it and so that's the best. Like when, when someone's so working excited. on a project that they're excited about, I'm like, man, come on, let's let's hear it. So So any chance we could get a rough idea oh. of
0: when this might drop? So ideally, if it was a perfect world with perfect things, mm-hmm. I would want it to drop in May. But I have a feeling okay. that it's more probably so going to drop in like october or november of of
1: 2021 okay so that's cool so i, guess, I wish
0: it could drop in may but i just have a feeling it's going to drop in november so
1: sure okay so i guess we've got to just follow you wherever we can follow you and that's how we'll find out
0: exactly and you can okay this is my shameless plug okay you can follow me everywhere literally just it's my first and last name m-o-r-g-a-n-m-i-n-s-k morgan minsk twitter instagram facebook that's my website it's just my first and last name dot com um youtube follow me everywhere stay tuned i have a mailing list that i need to be way more active on but i'm super active on social media so follow me i post videos all the time you can hear my music for free on spotify apple music um all those things so yeah and thank you guys so much for listening um and for supporting this podcast um it's so amazing just for disciples to come together and be able to create art and informational things like this so Thank you so much That's for awesome. Remo for having me.
1: Sure, absolutely. Well, you've you've kind of begun to land it really well. I have one last question, uh, but before yes. I ask that question, I just want to say thank you so much. Thank you. This has been a, actually a real joy. Of it's been a lot of fun, and um, yeah, I look forward to hearing what what what's next to come from you know from Morgan Minsk. Uh, I definitely enjoy music, and uh, my wife and I have listened to some of it together as well. And so thank you for availing Mm -hmm. yourself, uh, especially kind of during the craziness of December and Christmas and all of this that's going on. Uh, But yeah, my my final question to you is, you know, what would you like to say to young people to help them to thrive in life as well as in their
0: faith? Amen. Let me think about that real quick. Mm. Young people. I think, yeah, I think for young people, I think this generation is very insecure and very, like, I think there's a lot of emotional turmoil that wasn't there in previous generations because we are promoting all of our good things online and nothing bad. Mm -hmm. And I think it causes insecurity and it causes... Depression and it causes comparison and it causes bitterness, even in the church. And I think mm-hmm. for young people, just remember. Like, I think just the biggest thing is like, read Psalm one nineteen, and see how much God loves you. Like, He loves yeah. you, and He doesn't care what you post on social media. Like, He cares about you. He cares about what's in your heart. He doesn't even care about what what you produce. Like, whether you have talent or you don't. Like. It's not about that. Like, he loves you. He loves your soul and who you are. And, like, just be around him. And I'm telling you that when you do, when you read the pages of that, and when you ask him to give you refreshment in your heart and refreshment in your spirit, like, he will. He will answer that prayer because Mm -hmm. he says that when we seek him with our whole heart, we will find him. And so, if you are just feeling that emptiness and that insecurity and that fear and that turmoil and that depression, like, please just open up psalm 119 literally ask god that he would open your eyes that you may see wonderful things in his word and read it and feel the peace of god descend upon you so yeah that's what i would say
1: come on that's awesome thank you so much morgan really appreciate it
0: absolutely thank you so much this was so amazing thank you for listening For more thought-provoking conversations, subscribe to the Rima Klale Life and Faith podcast. Please like, review and share so that we can continue to help others thrive in their life as well as in their faith.